In college, I really enjoyed writing papers and structuring and editing. And, but that wasn't really what started me saying, oh, I think I'm going to write a book one day. I started having all these crazy stories happening and true things. People would say, you're exaggerating those stories. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. It happened exactly this way. And as the years went on, more and more stuff happened. And I kept saying, I got to write a book. Like, these are hilarious. And my friends and family are like, you got to write a book. So it was about 20 plus years ago, I wrote my draft of what the stories are that I wanted to put into the book. And I carried that in a folder everywhere I went in a manila folder. And we actually had a burnt glove box situation that happened. And I said, that's going to be the title for my book, Burnt Glove Boxes. It, it encompassed everything that's happened, just crazy stuff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train tonight, though he will come up as he normally does. And we're talking writing. We're talking comedy. We are talking the Gina rule, not the Murphy rule. So I have my new guest, my brand new friend, Gina Ramsey on the here. Gina, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah. So I live up in Superior, Wisconsin, originally from born and raised in the Chicagoland area and kept saying I'd moved to Florida and kept moving further and further north. So if you're not familiar with where Superior's at, it's way up here by Duluth, Minnesota. We're at the head of Lake Superior. So yeah, about three hours from Canada. <laughs> okay. And I always like to start at the beginning. First off, thank you for joining me. I'm really looking forward to it. But talk about where did you grow up and was there a lot of music in the house when you were growing up? Yeah, so I grew up in the um, western suburbs of Chicago, Carroll Stream, Glenda Heights area. My parents had one of those old like, uh, it was just like a huge like cabinet and had record player in there. And I remember going and buying that with them. We went to some, I don't know. General General Electric Electric store, and they bought an album, and I listened to that album on there, and it was just regular music, but older music. I can't even remember the songs on the album, but I I was a little kid, but I do remember they had several Johnny Mathis albums that I love to listen to, and especially because he has a song named Gina. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask if you remember the album. Yes, I think there is a certain generation, not to make us seem older, but that do remember it is a huge piece of furniture, right? It is the television. It was the radio. It was the stereo. And what cracks me up is the one I remember was a black and white TV. Yeah. So it still was just this, but this huge and massive so I take it they were uh, fans of 
more easy listening, I take. Yes, lots of easy listening. And then as they grew older, they got tuned into Andrea Bocelli. And yeah, so that was my introduction to his type of music, him and Josh Groban. And so I like such a, a wide range of genres with music. So okay, I listen to anything if it sounds great. So as you're hitting teenage years, yes, what kind of music did you start enjoying then? Oh, heck. So I had Bon Jovi was the big thing when I was in my teens. Yeah. So the hair bands, I was in cosmetology school. So I had the hair that stood up 10 feet tall, got it caught in a car door once was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And the, what about Bon Jovi did you enjoy? Oh my gosh. Like he was like the scene, Uh, at least in my group of people that I hung around with. I've seen him multiple times. Even a friend of mine and myself, we went to Summerfest one year and we brought our daughters with. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember how old they were, 9, 11, something like that. As we're leaving, the girls were so quiet in the backseat. And my daughter said, Mom, John Bon Jovi is luscious. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So yeah, just love him. I and even to to this day, seeing what all the things that he does to help his community with food programs and different things like that. I don't know. I just the I guess it's different if you know somebody personally and they could be maybe a jerk. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case with him or not, but I just I think he, him and his wife, Dorothea, they do a lot for their community. I've watched some interviews with them and I think it's wonderful what they do. Yeah, uh, there is a, I don't know if you watched, but there was a, there was on Disney Plus, there was a Ms. Marvel limited series and his, the main stars, this teenager and her mother adored Bon Jovi. And so my friends were like, did you feel betrayed by, because they picked the other Jersey poet? (laughs) I go, no, not at all. He and John are, Bruce and John are good friends. In fact, I had one of my coolest live moments is I was at a show in Dallas and Bon Jovi was going to be in Dallas either the next day or the following day. And so when Bruce came out for an encore, John came out with them and they did glory days together, Oh, which was nice. a lot of fun. That was really good. Yeah. Really, uh, his good looks hooked you. And then, sound, the sound. And, and then mm-hmm. the music though made you and his being mud. So what about the music spoke to you? I just loved his lyrics. I don't know. And it, and again, it was, I was in high school. Yeah. It was a big thing. It was a part of the eighties. I listened to other eighties pop Madonna and all that type of stuff. Oh. It, I, it was the cool thing to do. Like you're a Bon Jovi fan. My mm-hmm. best girlfriend, she lives in Kansas and she went to one of his concerts and it was, was before the big stadium thing. He actually rat, I think he opened for rat. And or was it rat that opened for, I don't know. But anyways, they were up against these, like these corrals, these metal corrals that, that they use at smaller yeah. venues. Sure. And she was in the front and this crowd is pushing and they, she's real little and the gates fell 
and she got trampled on and and it was while bon jovi was playing and they stopped the concert and (laughs) pulled her up on the stage and richie sambora put her on a speaker and took her to the back and but she doesn't remember a lot of like she remembered bits and pieces but i'm like but you got to meet them <laughs> yeah okay yes possibly you trampled died. to death, but yeah. you got to meet there are compromises you have to make right exactly yep i totally agree <laughs> yeah so about now obviously you still love bon jovi but are there other musicians that as you've grown up have been your companion yeah. as far as helping Yeah, I just, I love so many different types of music genres. Elton John is a huge one through my entire life. And I finally did see him in concert. And God bless our poor Jimmy Buffett. Love to see him. And I don't know, I think music, and I think there's studies on this, but you know, how music ties to certain memories and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know, just a broad range of things. Yeah, I often talk about and I'm not unique in this, that we really do have time machines and it is music because there are songs that will bring us back to that moment and that emotion that we're feeling that year. We are that insecure teenager or we are that person that just starting in a marriage or a relationship and or even not even necessarily in love this remembers a time when we were starting out in a business or riding good times and so yeah it can be they really can be special too they can't they absolutely and it's funny because everybody wants to have that tie to fame at some point my brother-in-law gary nelson he had a band and he had these little i don't know if you remember the 45s the little, little 45s and on that big record player I would play his song walk all the time listen to it and he's still playing in a band but it was like I knew the famous person and another example is my mom and my husband's mom worked with the aunt of Dennis DeYoung from Sticks. okay and of course he's from the Chicagoland area he's going to be on the on the radio well Irene gave me the very first album that they made, like a few copies of it. So he's going to be on the radio and I'm the one who has the connection, right? The only one on the planet. So I'm waiting on hold. I finally get through to him. My husband's downstairs clearing off our car. We lived in a three-story apartment. And so he gets on there and here Irene had given me pictures of him growing up. So I'm thinking I'm cool. And I present like Cindy Brady on television where I completely freeze up and act like the total worst geek and stalker that there ever lived on the planet. So I'm telling him like all about his aunt Irene and how my mom knows her and I pronounced her last name wrong. So he corrected me and I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. So anyways... (laughs) So then I said, and I've got all of these pictures of you. I said, I have pictures from when you were a baby all the way when you're growing up. I said, and the one, the last one, you're like 21 years old and you're sitting with your mom and she's in a pink dress with, with pearls, a pearl necklace on. And I'm like, everybody was calling in, I went to the same high school as you and all this, but 
I just, I felt like an idiot. My husband came upstairs and he goes, what was that? <laughs> Why did you say those things? You sounded like a creeper. <laughs> so that was my cool moment. <laughs> I love that, Gina. One of the things that I hope the most is there is that great Saturday Night Live skit where Paul McCartney is there and the, and why am I drawing a blank on the comedian that's, remember when you did that? Wasn't it great? <laughs> so I always worry about that when I'm, if I get someone that I've admired on the podcast, okay, how do we, how do I not, I, I don't want to be crazy. Yeah. So one of the advice they, I got, I heard from someone else is that you, you try to figure out what your guest doesn't get asked about a lot and try to talk to them about that. Yeah. <laughs> because that they will light up like, oh, supposedly Nolan Ryan, the baseball player, is very bored if you ask him about his no hitters. But if you ask about the home runs he hit, he will light up and tell you all kinds of stories because nice. he only had two or three home runs. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. So I I always love having writers on the podcast. So I'm going to go back to your childhood were you a family of readers? No. Was 
there wasn't. For- no, my parents had those big, huge books with pictures in them, Nova yeah. and National Geographic. They had those and they would have a lot of magazines around Reader's Digest, the short stories types yeah. of things, but they weren't huge book readers, like sitting down with a novel or anything like that. Okay. And I certainly wasn't. I, if, unless it interested me, I was no go on a book. Okay. <laughs> Were you good in school? I was okay. Average student. English was one of my least favorite classes. And yeah, if it's anything that involved reading boring stuff, I despised it. If it was something that interested me, I loved it. But I love my teeny boppy magazines, magazine with cheap trick on it and journey and all those people. The hair bands, as you talked about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how do you go from someone who is not a big reader, who isn't very academic, to being a published author? What's that journey? Yeah, so that's a great question. <laughs> I I pursued my bachelor and master's degrees um, after I had kids. And so that really got me into, I enjoyed school then because I was a non-traditional student. I really just craved the education. So I, it was different than high school. You're bored with it and you're, eh, I just want to be done and out. I took choir to get my grade point average up in in high school. Let's put it that way. But and according to your press kit, you do a couple yeah. impressions. And don't worry, oh. I am going to. I will not let you get off this podcast without doing a couple impressions. Just warning you in advance. I I will do those for you <laughs> for sure. But yeah, so in college, I really enjoyed writing papers and structuring and editing and. But that wasn't really what started me saying, oh, I think I'm going to write a book one day. I started having all these crazy stories happening and true things. People would say, you're exaggerating those stories. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. It happened exactly this way. And as the years went on, more and more stuff happened. And I kept saying, I got to write a book. Like, these are hilarious. And my friends and family are like, you got to write a book. So it was about 20 plus years ago, I wrote my draft of what the stories are that I wanted to put into the book. And I carried that in a folder everywhere I went in a manila folder. And we actually had a burnt glove box situation that happened. And I said, that's going to be the title for my book, Burnt Glove Boxes. It, It encompassed everything that's happened, just crazy stuff. And I carried that folder around. I kept adding stories to it, titles and different ideas. And then 2021 during NaNoWriMo month, that's the November writers month where you're, you set a goal and you write a novel. I had a friend that told me about it and I thought, I'm going to give it a try. I've wanted to do this. I keep saying, I'm going to do it someday. I'm getting older. Like time's never guaranteed to us. And I want to leave these stories for my family and I want to make the world a brighter place. I want to bring laughter and joy to our world. So I did it. (laughs) Yay. I, first off, I love that the, there is a lot of negativity and a lot of anger in this world. And one of the reasons I do this podcast is to have people on to share their stories, to share 
of the way music has given them light in their life. Music helps us celebrate births and weddings, and it helps us mourn yes. deaths of relationships and actual deaths and passing of friends and people we love. So good for you. I think this will be the easy question, but the it really is a matter of just doing it with all with all homage to Nike, right? A lot of people have that thought, I should write a book or I should do a podcast. Boy, I am. And I always tell people, just do it. Yeah. There's some planning. So it was there, you talked about the burnt glove box and I want to hear that story, but is it was just that simple of someone saying, hey, there's this, there is this thing where people get together and they support each other virtually and you write so much there. October, November is also podcast month where people try to podcast. The idea is to do 30 podcasts in 30 days. And I've done that a couple of times and it, and the idea is to just to stretch those creative muscles. Yeah. So did you, Obviously, you were successful. But what did you learn about yourself during this journey? One thing that I learned, and I'm sorry if you can hear my wiener dog. She's going ballistic right now. Intention is really important. And they say, write it down if you're going to, if you want to do it. And I've always been about the bucket list and helping others achieve their bucket list, taking my friend on her very first trip to Disney or my daughter and I went to Switzerland. That was like my bucket place to go. And I could care less if I traveled anywhere else. I wanted to go to Switzerland. I love traveling, by the way, but that was the place I really wanted to see. Why Switzerland? I don't know. I had a dream that I was in the Alps and I woke up and I had watched Rick Steves. We watched that all the time. And I love the Switzerland shows. And I had that dream. And I sound of music flashbacks. Yep. I had gone to Austria as well. um, And I saw the all the areas where she did the sound of music. That was a huge movie in our family. But yeah, so with the writing was writing it down. Number one, not knowing I think what drove me to not do the book is the fear. What do I do once I write the book? How do you publish this? And I didn't know the next steps. And so I became a part of this virtual networkers group for women entrepreneurs. And many of them in that group are authors, published authors. And I thought, and it gave me this sense of hope that might be a possibility for me. And so the leader of our Friday chapter is the one who told me about NaNoWriMo. And so I just feel I'm a firm believer in things are meant to happen and the succession that they happen. And I feel like people were placed into my life just at the right time, including my publisher, because she's part of that group as well. And I asked her if she would take a look at my transcript when it was done and she agreed to do it. And she said, I want to take on your project. So I don't know. It just, it's, it just unfolded for me, but it was, it it unfolded so beautifully, but I learned to, to have confidence in myself 
and not listen to that fear. And I think a lot of people do that. They listen to that naysayer, naysayers maybe around them, but the inner naysayer is what you have to really tell them to be quiet <laughs> so you can you know, live your dreams. Gina, I, I so agree. There is a song that is performed by a, a singer-songwriter named Sarah Hickman, but it was written by Chuck Brodsky. Um, we are each other's angels. And part of the lyrics are, we are each other's angels. We meet when it is time. We keep each other going and we show each other signs. Yeah. And I do think that there are key people in your life that come when you need them. And if you're, if your heart's open, they can speak to you mm -hmm. and it can mean the world to you. Yeah. And I also love the idea of, we are such a success driven society that, and when someone, and not to make it about me, but when someone talks to me about doing a podcast, I go, first off, make sure you have a topic that's broad enough that you can keep going. And second, understand that your first few episodes are going to be pretty bad because you're going to be learning what to do. And three, is this something you want to do if no one listens? Mm -hmm. Because they may not listen. Yeah. And in the idea of you're saying, I know I need to write these stories, if nothing else for my children and my children's children. Mm -hmm. I think it's a beautiful thing, Gina. Thank you. Yeah. Do so I I think that's brave, but right, you just you threw it out there and like hope for the best, correct? Talk to me a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah. I asked Debbie if she would be willing, she's with Highlander Press, if she would be willing to take a look at my piece. And that was the most vulnerable feeling that I had because I think my stories are funny. People around me think the stories are funny, but what is a trained professional in this field going to think of them. And so she said, give me a couple of weeks and we'll schedule to follow up after I review this. And I said, sure. And so she rescheduled with me or scheduled with me to meet again. And I was just sweaty and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was afraid she's going to say, never pick up a pen again. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Just keep plugging along. <laughs> and I got on that call and she was laughing and she said, she said, I have to tell you, you have a gift. She said, that poultry guy story is hilarious. I had to read it again over my breakfast. She said the sausage story, which isn't in the first book, the sausage stories in the next book. She said, hilarious. Like these stories are so hilarious. And you remind, your writing reminds me of Verma Bombeck's writing. Which is great. That is royal. That's royalty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I still deal with that, that stinking thinking from time to time, it's sure. like, is it really that good. I'm really happy when somebody tells me, oh my gosh, it's the, those stories are hilarious. It, it makes me happy to know that I'm bringing joy to people. And that, again, that was like my ultimate goal. If I can just brighten somebody's day. Even if it's one person, I know I've changed the world in my own way and left an imprint here. But to hear that from Debbie and then I explained what I wanted to do with this. And this has been my idea since the very beginning. I wanted to do an anthology similar to Chicken Soup for the Soul, but with 
Murphy's Law stories. So people will submit stories in, we'll have topics and themes. And I didn't know writing lingo. So I said, I want to make a series like Chicken Soup. And she goes, that's called an anthology. So she's been really a, a vital part in this process of teaching me. And I've signed up for writing classes with a professional writer. And I went to the Irma Bombeck conference and then started, I'm part of three facilitators for a group called the Germinators. And it's for people who have attended the Irma Bombeck conference. And we bring guest speakers so they can learn who the people are, what the next step is, who they can go to. Just creating networks for people has been, I love this community. I could do this for a full-time job, love the whole process, but I'd be like really broke. So <laughs> I have to keep my day job right now. <laughs> yes, I, I understand that much. <laughs> I would absolutely adore podcasting full-time. The What I love is I will have stand-up comedians on here and we will talk about there is, there is work break room funny. Right. You're in the break room, you're telling a story and everyone's rolling with laughter or at a conference and yeah. you you open with a joke and you do a presentation. But that's a different audience than you go to a comedy club and someone's paid for a babysitter. They paid for parking. They've had a two drink minimum. And all of a sudden they're sitting there, they're out 50, 100 bucks and they look at you on stage. You go, OK, be funny. Same thing, right? If I put my money down, oh, so let's see, this Gina person thinks she's funny. <laughs> and so you pick up the book. That can be intimidating, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And you just don't, like, there's going to be people, because humors, it's similar to music. What's subjective? People, what is great for one person is another person might not think is funny. Perfect example, Seinfeld. People either love it or they hate it. I've never met somebody who says, it's okay, I'll watch it once in a while. They're either shun it or they love it. And I just, I keep in mind that it those aren't my ideal audience. There's people who only love to read romance. And so they're not going to be my ideal audience. And that's okay. I don't think that intimidates me very much. Because I know that there's people who have enjoyed the stories. And again, to get that feedback, is it's been a thrill to me. Love it. Have you done book signings? I have. I have one this, uh, the Saturday as well. <laughs> so any stories to share from that? I often ask concert stories, like people stories. So yeah. you, got, you got a couple for me? And by the way, I am going to, before we're out of here, I'm going to at least give you, I'm going to give you a chance to tell at least a couple of stories from the book. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. I think one of the most memorable people that I met at a book signing, she came in and she's, oh my gosh, your stories are hilarious. And she's explaining to me how the rubber chicken on the front cover of my book, it, it, it just stood out to her because she watched, she watches Svengoolie every week and she's texting with her best friend about the show and they both watch it and they live far apart from each other it's funny thing because my best friend and i she lives in kansas she's the one that got trampled by the bon jovi fans and i live up here in wisconsin but my husband and i watched spanguli as well and i got her turned on to it we've got a spanguli poster i don't know if you're familiar with sven 
but he's from the Chicago land area and he he plays all the old horror movies. So the old Draculas and Frankenstein. So it's just a quirky thing we do every Saturday night. Similar to Elvira in the yeah, past. Yeah. Like, okay, exactly. Kind of, yep. Okay. Yep. He's been around forever. So anyway, so this lady's, oh my gosh, I was meant to, to meet you. Like we had all these like commonalities and we live so far apart from each other, but she was very excited to learn that there she has another Sven fan in the world. <laughs> I love that universal that universality, right? Yes. Is the idea that you see this and I just this is the second time today I've told the story, which I cannot believe, but I a TV critic I like a lot said was talking about reservation dogs, which is in Hulu. And talking about how wonderful it is. And I tried one episode and didn't get it. And so I emailed the book, the TV critic, and I said, I, what am I missing? Can you make the elevator pitch? And he said, it's fine if you don't get it. He said, what I love about it is the unique and universal at the same time. This is unique. It is a series set in reservation in Oklahoma. It is played by Native American actors. It is written and directed and created by Native American creative people. Yet their themes are universal. And he says in that thing, and so I watched two or three episodes and I sent him back an email saying, but doesn't matter if you're in a small town outside Chicago, you're in a swamps of Jersey, a small town in Louisiana or a reservation in Oklahoma, I want to get out of here while I'm still young because tramps like us are born to run. That universal yeah. of escaping, yes, of getting out there struck me. I am sure that's one of the things that works for your book is as you, you're trying to do a series, we all have that feeling of Murphy's Law, don't we? Yes. I've met a couple of people that are like, I've never had anything like that happen. I don't know how you have all this bad luck. But there's more burnt glove boxes, people in the burnt glove box community. I'm meeting them every time I do a book signing. <laughs> so tell me the burnt, tell me the burnt glove box story, please. Yeah. In a in a quick synopsis, my mom, when she was very ill, she's she's been diagnosed with cancer. She sold us her car. And because our car was just that car that other car will be in the next book, but it was a bad car. So anyway, so she sold us her car. She didn't have any issues with it. Just perfect running car until we got it. And it just kept doing weird things after she died. Like the radio would just ran randomly turn off. The antenna would go up and down. It would do all this crazy stuff. Then the glove box started acting weird. The lock just fell off of it one day not touched it just fell off and the glove box door opened so we used this duct tape to tape it up this car turned from this like beautiful never happened nothing ever happened to it's a disaster and we my son had a basketball game tournament and he went with his team on the bus and we were fashionably late as always, but we were going to drive our car out to meet him out there in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. 
And I just grabbed my makeup bag, grabbed the mirror. We ran, got in the car, got to Oshkosh, saw the game, told my husband, I said, I'm going to let the coach know that we're taking Mike home with us. And he said, yeah, I'm going to, I'll get over to the car and get it unlocked and put the, we had some folding chairs and I'm going to put those in there. I get over to the car and open the passenger side door and just the smell, it was so nauseous smelling smoke. And I'm like, he's laying across the bench seat, holding the, the contents of the glove box in his hand, like the whole innards, like plastic and all. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, the smoke was billowing. There was smoke billowing. And I said, is that the engine? I could see like the engine components and everything. And he's, I don't know, it like stopped. Should I put this back, the insert back in? And I'm like, no, because if it starts smoking again, like I'm sitting there, put it in the trunk. So he did. We close up the glove box, retape it, starts burning again. Smoke starts I said, there it is again. Here, the way we parked in the parking lot, the mirror that I brought to put my makeup on, it was a concave mirror and the sun was hitting it just perfectly and it was bouncing off the mirror and burning a hole into the burn into the door of the glove box. And had it been a little bit longer time, the whole parking lot probably would have been up in flames. But we did find, we went through the, I said, my mom's got to be giving me a message here because the stuff keeps happening in the glove box. So we found a lottery card that the old ones where you could, I think you can still do those, but she had it all filled in. And I'm thinking, this is great because the glove box episodes started happening a long time ago. So that's when she was probably telling me that you need to play these numbers. Yeah. So now that there's many more numbers in the lottery, we still every so often play her numbers because it was when it was like this little. And we haven't won the lottery. But yeah, when that hole burnt into the glove box, I knew that's going to be the title for my book. So what I love is if you were on at lost of the wilderness <laughs> with your mirror it's freezing no way you would have using the sun no we're not going to start a fire but <laughs> without meaning to right here you are burning that that is oh, yeah. yeah yeah it is yeah i we had cars like that in the past where i remember that I can't remember exactly, but there was an error light that meant blank. I took it to the (laughs) shop. It said, oh, yes, that means blank. We've changed that. You're now fixed. (laughs) And we're still like, it can't be that easy. Okay, that this we're burnt people. We don't believe anything is that easy. It's never that simple. Right. Yeah, you need to do X and then it will stop. No, it won't do that at all. That's awesome. Do so you decided you you've got the first book out and now then you have an open you're looking for people to share their kind of story. So tell me a little bit about what you're looking for and how people can contribute. Yeah. So the transcript that I sent to Debbie of all the stories that I had, and then that included five extra stories from other people. So that was going to start kickstart the glove box community. The transcript was large enough because each book has a, a 
certain amount of pages that are allowed right. typical for that. Right. So she said, Gina, we're going to have to split your book in two. So we'll do the first half. That'll be your first book. So the second half will be coming out next year. Okay. And that'll include those five stories from those other folks. And then we're going to open up the anthology. And we, our very first theme is going to be animals. So it can be pets. It can be zoo animals, farm animals, wildlife can be any of that. But we will have a submission period and we'll have, I'll be releasing all the information of if you have stories, this is where you submit it to. Okay. But talking about music and my story about Dennis DeYoung, I, one, of the, one of the themes I want to have is encounters with fame. I don't know what I'll ex- exactly title it that went wrong. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> my, brush, wrong. <laughs> my brush with greatness that did not go well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. definitely right now I'm looking for, I, I even asked on my Facebook account that I have, asked my audience, what types of themes can you imagine with this? I want to do paranormal. I want to do this. But people came up with some great ideas. Cooking mishaps was yeah. one of the big ones. And yeah. So is the second book more burning of glove box? <laughs> yeah. So it won't be more of that glove box because that story is featured in the first book. But the second book will have car stories, stories of when I moved to Superior, vacation stories, vacation mishaps, because there's always a mishap when you go on vacation, right? doesn't matter. Even when I went to Switzerland, I almost burnt down the hotel in Lauterbrunnen, like the old hotel. And I won't go any further with that. But that's, I got to write that one and put it into the second book that's coming out because that was very interesting. (laughs) So you mentioned you have children, correct? Yes. Do they do they roll their eyes and do they ever say, no, mom, that story can't go in the book? No. That's awesome. No, no. they all live these stories with us. And my, my oldest, Jackie, she's very well worded. And I handed her my, my paper copy that I burnt through a whole tree printing off on my printer. And I said, would you be willing to take a look at this? And I was so nervous because she's so well worded. And she, after she read it, she's mom, this is fantastic. This is so good. I'm so proud of you. So they're, they're, they've been hearing me say, I'm going to do this for so many years that they're going with the flow mm-hmm. <laughs> and their stories and they're about them. <laughs> so you've talked to you that you'd love to do a, a group of these books, yeah. but what else is on your radar? What else do you want to do to stretch yourself creatively? Yeah, I I am interested in, I'm working with a couple of colleagues from the Germinator group on an old book, Getting Old as a Woman, and all the, it's the same thing, all the wrong things that happen and how we deal with this. And then another group that we've formed with the Germinators group is called Humor and Healthcare. And I'm not, it's what the title of the group is, but we're talking about healthcare. My girlfriend, Julie, different Julie in the group here, she wrote, my healthcare is killing me. And when she had bouts, two bouts of cancer and she went from working in a corporate job to literally having nothing, insurance is canceled on her and all of this stuff. It was very moving book. And her passion is to really bring these things to light. What 
things that people say that are really insensitive and mainly like healthcare people. And so we have a bunch of our germinator people who have experienced healthcare stuff. And so we're going to make an anthology out of that. That's it so far, but I'm, I've got so many ideas that like pop into my head randomly, usually when I'm driving and I really can't like put a pen to paper, but. Any interest in doing fiction? Really? No. Okay. And I think the reason I, my hat goes off to anyone who does fiction, like to be able to follow storylines and make this beautiful magic happen. I've got enough of that in my own life. (laughs) So one of the things I love, and by the way, the book is Burnt Glove Boxes, Embracing Life When It Goes Up in Flames, available wherever you get your books. I think and this is an overgeneralization, but there are people that go, okay, that happened, what's next? And people that dwell on what's happened in a negative way, right? And I certainly don't think, uh, I think we all need to mourn when things go poorly, but I truly believe, my, my brother talked about this. He just in February passed away from cancer and he mm-hmm. talked about, that when you're in hell, people are like, why do you keep going? He says, because if I stop, I'm in hell. Yeah. Like I have to keep going. Yeah. And so I love that embracing life when it goes up to flames. What, and I, if you've explained a little bit of this, but is there any one specific thing that kind of told you that gave you that feeling that I need to send this message out to people that they need to keep find the humor in this and keep persevering? It's just my values and how I've, my approach to things in life. In some of these stories, many of them at the moment, I either wanted to cry or scream, but it was taking a step back and then going, just taking a look at the series of events that unfolded and finding the the snarkiness or the humor in it I think one of my most nervous parts through this whole process is I don't want to ever give the message to people that like, you need to find the funny in everything in life, because there are things that aren't funny that happen to people. So I never want that message to come across, but like life's silly things or just things that are just absolutely absurd, just being able to take a step back. I'm a social worker by my day job and I've done a lot of trainings. I work with the veteran population. So I've done a lot of groups and stuff for anxiety and depression and laughter is like one of those things that helps your body to relieve stress and get out of that fight or flight mode and that and music too. And that's, there's so many different tools that can be used. So I guess that's my biggest message is just taking those moments with kind of those sillier moments with a grain of salt and being able to move on. So because it's a Bruce podcast, of course, you got to bring up Bruce a little bit. Absolutely. There is a line where he says, one day we'll look back at this and it'll all seem funny. And I think there's some truth to it. When people ask me, what is your favorite Bruce song? 
I always tell them too. I, I tell them Land of Hope and Dreams. And then the song Better Days. And Better Days starts with my soul checked out missing as I sat listening to the hours and minutes ticking away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just sitting around waiting for my life to begin while it was all just slipping away. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of waiting for tomorrow to come or that train to come roaring around the bend. I've got a new set of clothes, a pretty red rose, and a woman I can call my friend. These are better days. Mm-hmm. And it's a love song, but I also think it's a message that too many people wait when I get the kids out of diapers, then I'm going to enjoy to be a parent. When I get that promotion and money isn't so tight, then I'm going to relax. Yeah. And when I'm out of college, then I'm really going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And when I retire, then I'm going to do this. And I really truly believe that life happens. It's now. And 2015, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. I'm fine. I always like to make a point of telling that now. But even during that, I was focused on that This, these are the better days Yeah. that everything do that. So I think your message is very strong to find the humor in these small things and, and remember that these are the better days. This one yeah. day, this will all seem funny. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that message too, that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And that's in addition to humor. I like writing memoir stories from my life. And that's one of the writing groups that I'm part of. It's a memoir writing class and how important it is for us to tell our stories. And it's similar with musicians. Like they tell their stories through song, right? And everybody's got their like kind of niche or their kind of gifted area And I struggle more with telling the serious stories. And I think because my gift is in humor and looking at things from the spin on it. Um, So, yeah. So that's why fiction's out for me. Because it's like, now we got another level of complication. (laughs) Though I think that there is an audience and I think your readers would love to hear some of those serious stories. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I think there will be a time when you're you'll want to share those and you, you'll feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Gina, except for I've got to get you to do your impressions. What else should I have asked you that I haven't? Oh gosh. I think you asked all the questions. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just said- very, very excited to have people check out the book and my yeah. website, which is www.ginaramseyauthor.com. If you get the book and you want a bookmark, you can go on there and order, just say what bookmark you want. So I'm just, and do the reviews. I can't encourage people more. I never realized how important reviews were. You get bombarded with review, review this, review that. You buy a, a stick in the in, from Amazon and they want you to review it. How was it? Literally. <laughs> yes. But those reviews are so important to at least me. I don't know how many authors read through their reviews, but I love reading them and seeing like how powerful these stories have been and seeing pictures. There's parents who are reading these stories. That's the one thing I can say about my writing. Um, It's on the cleaner side of things. It's not full of language that would be inappropriate for 
kids to read. So I have parents reading the stories to their kids for bedtime stories. So that's one thing I take pride in. It's you don't have to. And I, I have my share of humor books that have a lot of language in them, but I like the fact that it's more family appropriate. And I want to echo that podcasting is and writing is a very lonely endeavor. And, and I will see the numbers of how many downloads I get and I'm grateful for everyone, but it's rare that someone picks up an email and says, wow, Jesse, this was a really good one. I really yeah. liked your talk. I, I got, I just recently had an episode where a woman shared her story. Her name was Sarah. Her grandmother was murdered. Oh gosh. When she was very young and mm -hmm. she helped take her grandfather and she was, her grandmother was murdered by a family friend and he was convicted and wow. he was in death row. And she, Sarah went through a spell of a lot of substance abuse, self-medication. She got mm -hmm. sober, she got well, but as she says it, her butt was, I'm not going to forgive him. I can't forgive him. Mm -hmm. That's don't ask me for that. And, and no matter what her sober coach told her, no matter what her, her sponsor couldn't. And she was driving in a car and she heard Bruce Springsteen's song letter to you. And it struck her like the road to Damascus. And she went mm -hmm. to her house. She wrote a letter to this inmate. And two or three weeks later, he wrote her back. She waited a couple of days. Her husband read it first, said it's okay. Started a correspondence, skipped to the end. She was there when he was executed and oh. had him look at her so that he would see love in someone's eyes before he was, before he was executed. Oh. So I'll send you the link. It's an absolutely amazing yeah, story. I was so proud of it. it. Yeah. Got two people tell me, wow, that was good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, Okay, yes, that isn't the purpose, and I'm going to cut this out. So I will put this back. Reviews are so vital because we're in a we are doing this in a lonely way that reviews are how people come back. And I'm even okay with every once in a while I'll get I didn't care for this one Jesse because okay, good. Thank you. If it's actual feedback, I appreciate that. Or just to tell me what you liked and what you enjoyed. So I always say, go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast, share what you like. Go. I try to make a point of on Goodreads and Amazon after I read a book to put my stars and to write at least a few thoughts, yeah. right? To talk about the book. Because I imagine as a writer, you want to know, I, it, we don't get the applause that people do on a live performance. And I'm yeah. sure that's one of the reasons book signings are a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And just meeting people and having them say, thank you so much for coming here and doing this. And I'm like, I, and I'm like an introvert extrovert. So like yeah. I, if I'm in a group of people that I don't really know, I'm reserved, but so I've really had to, and because a lot of people think I'm just, I'm an extrovert. I would rather just sit on my couch and watch The Voice and instead of yeah. going out and <laughs> doing that thing. But so it's challenged me to put myself out there. And yeah, it's been fun. And 
just again, knowing I made the, like this difference in the lives of others is phenomenal. I did have a review from a gentleman and I don't know who he is. He's not a friend or anything. I really appreciated his feedback because it, everybody's, oh my gosh, this book's so hilarious. Oh my gosh, hilarious. And he's, I bought this book thinking it was going to be hilarious. And he said, I didn't get the deep belly laughs, but I got a different message. And it was that whole, just taking a step back in life and just calming down when it's not the end of the world. But one thing he did say in there, it's not only Murphy's Law that impacted you as a writer, poor choices. And I'm like, there are a lot of poor choices that I made. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going to use that. (laughs) So you're right. Like getting that and, it, and his review was beautifully done and, and it wasn't negative at all, but I thought it was a different, he got a different message from it. And I really appreciated him saying, speaking to that. So, yeah, I echo that a lot. And so I am looking forward to reading the book uh, a great deal. This sounds like it's just, it it's going to be wonderful. Once again, Burnt Glove Boxes, Embracing Life When It Goes Up in Flames, available everywhere where you can find books. GinaRamseyAuthor.com. All right. I'm going to ask you the Mary question, but first you say you do a couple of impressions. Yes. Okay. Yes. I do Ethel Merman. I do Tommy Boy. I do Yogi Bear. I'm sure there's others <laughs> that I do randomly. Which one do you want to do for me? You And do you take requests? Can you do Yogi Bear doing anything or do you just have certain phrases of Ethel Merman doing oh, yeah. songs? I just have certain phrases because I only know the certain words, but I really should learn the whole song by Ethel Merman because then yes. I could like really shine. Yes. Yeah. But I can do the Irish jig and laugh without smiling. So that I can do in combination. So there you go. That's great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So what would you like me to, Yogi All Bear, right. do you want Ethel Merman, so it's your music? So here we do. We're going to, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you the Mary question and okay. then we're, I'm going to sign off and then you're going to let Ethel sing us out. How's right. that sound? That, that sounds, sounds perfect. Good? That sounds All right. perfect. All right, Gina, this has been so much fun. I, I have loved visiting with you. I really appreciate your energy and your humor And thank you so much for spending time with me. Before I get you out of here, though, I end every podcast with a Mary question. Yes. Jay Armstrong, who is a former high school English teacher, he is now retired. But when he was teaching, he would give the song lyrics of Thunder Road to all his high school seniors that he was taking honors English class. And they would discuss the song as if it was a poem. And then at the end of the two days in class, he would ask his students, does Mary get in the car? So Gina, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Great question. So I was reviewing it myself. I would listen to the lyrics a bunch of times. I read through them. There's one, I got to put my readers on because I can't see a darn thing without them anymore. The aging thing. There's one phrase that he says that made that was the decision maker for me. 
He says, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. Oh, and that's all right with me. She did not get in that car. No man who's a smart man would say, you're not beautiful. <laughs> but I'm all right with you. <laughs> So that is my wife's answer. She says he calls her ugly. So there is, that is a, in fact, I would have bet when you said there was one phrase, I would have bet that would be the phrase. I understand totally. Here is my thought on it. And I may be a man trying to excuse a guy not being very smart. In my mind, I think Mary talks bad about herself a lot. I think she oh. shares, oh, I'm I'm not that beautiful. I'm just old and no one would want me anymore. So I view this as he's doing a salesman acknowledging her her excuses in advance and then overcoming them. That's Got in my it. mind. Got Makes it. it. Or he may just be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> or right? he was thinking it and not saying it out loud. Right. Yes. He could have um, thought it. One of my favorite answers is, and a couple people mentioned that, but the latest one, a guy named Warren Zane, who wrote a beautiful book on Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska. It's almost the detective novel on why Bruce wrote this album that's so dark right after his most successful album and then before his most successful album. Why did he take that step backwards? He said that it never happened. He said that... Just like the girl in high school that he asked a hundred times in his mind, but never in person, he said, that's Mary. He said that he never gets the courage to ask her. And oh. I think that's beautiful and sad uh -huh. in the same way. Yeah. 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 All right, Gina, thank yes. you again. This was so much fun. Thank you. When you are ready to submit for stories, please come back. Yes. Let's, let's talk about the second book. Let's promote. Let's do this. Maybe give some examples. We'll do a recruiting for you. I'd Perfect. love that. Thank uh, you. GinaRamseyAuthor.com, Burnt Glove Boxes, Embracing Life When It Goes Up in Flames. So thank you, listeners. Thank you. Be safe, be kind. And Gina, we'll let you sing us out or let Ethel sing us out. Sounds great. There's no business like show business. There's no business I know. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast. That is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.